yeah, this is a very, very important um, uh, section because if you are a licensed real estate agent or broker, it has to be disclosed. And, um, you know, you have to also let everybody who's in the transaction understand whether or not you are representing anybody in that transaction. So like for here at Hillco, um, pretty much all of our deals, uh, we just disclose that Hillary is the licensed agent and she is not representing either the buyer or the seller in the transaction. Right. No, there's no fiduciary relationships. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Mike. Uh, number five is earnest money. Of course, in the contract that you you know we we put down as minimum as we need to. Uh, generally, it's ten dollars we put down as earnest money that goes to the title company. We have a preferred title company we like to use, and that would go in line clause number five, along with the title company's address. All right, moving along, title policy and survey. Uh, we generally uh, provide uh, and pay for the seller's expense, uh, which is includes the title policy. Uh, the buyer, the buyer, and the end buyer usually pays for that expense. So that line you would write, you would check buyer's expense, not seller's expense, and then again put the name of the title company there. Yeah, so a lot of this stuff is pretty straightforward, um, and I mean if you if you have questions about like what the sections mean um, and you don't understand certain terms, a lot of that stuff is available on the website, the Trek website. Uh, it's kind of like a how-to guide, yeah. um, and uh, and again, even if uh, you know that's not sufficient and you need a little more guidance, um, you could always reach out to other wholesalers and find out from them what to do. Right. Um, I mean, in fact, here at Hilco, we have an entire video course dedicated to this. So we have a a, a video course, more than fifty videos on the contracts and title process and how to deal with those things as a wholesaler. So check that out. Um, definitely, if you're interested, let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know that you heard about it through the podcast, and we'll give you a 15% discount. So Sweet. go ahead and reach out to I us I recommend that. that for sure. A very minimal expense. Okay, uh, the next line, set page two, uh, it does have a box there where it talks about the amending, amending of shortage in area, if that's if that's that's regards to the survey. Again, just check on buyer's expense. The buyer will uh, pay, pay for that expense if there is any issues with title with the survey. Um, line C, survey again. Uh, there, we, we don't ask for a survey for the seller. We don't ask the buyer to purchase the seller. So we leave those lines blank. And that's something that we here at Hillco do. So other wholesalers may have different policies and procedures for how they do their business. Uh, but at Hilco, that's how we do our business. So mm. if you're ever going to uh, bring a deal to us mm. or you're going to buy a deal from us, um, that's kind of what you should expect. Right. Uh, Surveys. Um, next is D, page two, objections. So once uh, we have a, com- a commitment uh, from the title, uh, you have uh, X amount of days to look it over. And if you don't like what it reads, you're allowed to resend the uh, the contract we usually put two days there uh, and for those who don't know what commitment means it doesn't mean a relationship with your girlfriend okay a commitment me <laughs> commitment means basically title has run a search on the property and it and it, it describes if there are any liens any judgments uh, any any kind of clouds on the, on the on, on the property and that can kill a deal right so right you as the buyer the end buyer 
or the signer or the signee, you will get those documents from the title company probably within 10 days of title opening up contract, uh, open up escrow with that property. Um, and you should always look, read through it, uh, schedule A and C, those are the ma major ones. Yeah. And again, that's, uh, again, we're talking just in generality because obviously if something comes up on title and there's an issue with it, um, I know probably the, like the number one, uh, cause of, of headaches with uh, wholesaling and, and uh, going through the title process uh, is in the uh, regards to probate deals where you have heirs that are either listed or not listed on title and um, you have all that the, that baggage that goes with that so um, you know it, this we're just talking that assuming everything is, is clean it goes smooth sailing from start to finish um, that's typic that's what you can typically expect um, you know once you from the time you open title to uh, getting those uh, those documents it could be about 10, 10 days 10 business yeah, days 10 business days sure very good and the bottom part of page two talks about if, if the property is, is located in a subdivision they have HOA fees so you put yes or no if it is or if it's not in a HOA okay mm -hmm. subdivision. All right. Third page is what I call legal mumble jumbo. There's no entry there. There's no data entry. It's just legal talk. Uh, so just plain text, nothing to fill in. Yeah, and knock yourself out reading that stuff. Okay. So, Which is is good practice uh, yeah. to, for any contract to, to familiarize yourself with it. Yeah, you said it, Mike, not me. Uh, number four, <laughs> page number four. Moving along, property condition number seven. Uh, very important here buyer uh either check one box buyer has received the notice or buyer has not received the notice and you have x amount of days to receive that notice property condition disclosures basically uh, an x-ray of the property the seller has to fill out the form it's three or four pages long mm -hmm. and it talks about you know what kind of hvac what kind of heating system what kind of electrical what's the condition of the roof etc etc the foundation right uh, and it we, we asked that to be filled out and I'm surprised, Mike, that how many wholesalers don't even know about it or don't even care to get this done. It's it's Texas law. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's incredibly surprising. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, you would think just even if it was not required by law, that it would just be good business practice to get it mm -hmm. filled out anyway because of the massive amount of liability that falls on your, on your shoulders yeah. if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Very surprising. And I, I would urge those season wholesalers if they're listening to the show uh come on man, step it up guys <laughs> you know you're, you're, you're putting yourself at risk for no reason you know yeah get the damn thing filled out and signed by the seller and the buyer all right um and that goes for lead paint disclosure as well i see a lot of properties being sold without lead paint which is not a state law it's a federal law and i don't like to mess with the fbi <laughs> or russia all right <laughs> so moving on of course now there are some exceptions. You don't need a seller disclosure, property disclosure, if it's an estate sale and you're the executor and administrator of the sale. Uh, you don't need it. Uh, and there are some other um, exemptions. But for the most yeah. part, if you own the house, the seller has to fill that out. Uh, so next, going down the line, buyer accepts it as is. That is correct. Check buyer app, accepts the property as is condition. Now, if you're negotiating any repairs with the seller, you could put those repairs on, on the line two where it says buyer accepts the property as is. Uh, and it says seller shall fix X, X, prop, X repairs, but we usually leave that blank. We buy as is. Make it real simple for the seller. Don't don't 
don't start asking the seller to fix this or fix that. Yeah, as a as a wholesaler, you know, our job is to just connect the buyer and the seller. We do it for a fee. It's called the assignment fee. Yeah. Um, we don't. Once you buy it, we don't care what you do with it. Um, that's that's your property mm-hmm. and that's your investment. And mm-hmm. what you do with it is up to you. So all we care about is making sure that we provide a you know, excellent quality of business in the transaction process, so that we can get you the numbers that you need and get your business again. Ideally, mm-hmm. you know, we want to. Uh, have that longevity so we believe in, in delivering a quality experience in obtaining your investment properties mm-hmm. um, and maybe who knows someday down the road Hilco might be a little bit more involved in that process and help with rehabs but you know mm-hmm. that's right. not for me to say but at this point in time all we do is help you find the deals and connect the buyer and the seller what the seller does after I mean what the buyer does right. after is up to them exactly very good. And by the way, these disclosures, this property condition disclosure, lead paint disclosure, are all on track. So you can find those forms there too yes, as well for free. Yes. For free. Okay. Now, page five, uh, H, residential service contract. That's like for a warranty, for any appliances. We don't do that. Leave that blank. We don't have to pay for that expense. It's $500. Number nine is closing. A closing day is important. Because as a wholesaler, we usually put out, you know, we usually tell the seller, well, we can close in seven days, 15 days, 30 days. Me, generally, I'll, I'm averaging 30 days. So I write 30 days from the date of the contract on when we close. So it depends on the situation, really. I mean, it's a, if it's a foreclosure or something. Yeah, auction, yeah. Sale, and we've then. talked about this in past episodes, Fast. too, of, uh, you know, setting proper expectations. Okay. Um, like, one of the things that is, uh, I, I think, really important is when talking to the seller, if you say... Uh, we can close in 14 days. Great. I mean, you need to hold yourself accountable and make sure that we can close in 14 days. But it's also very important to tell the seller that's assuming everything is good with title. Because if something comes up with title, there's no way you're going to close in 14 nice. days. That's going to have to go you know, beyond. You're going to have to do an extension, maybe two. It, it just depends. Every situation is different, like Hernando said. Right. But uh, the key thing to making sure that the quality of business is there is setting the proper expectations mm-hmm. with the seller and the buyer. So make sure if you, I mean, even if you can close in 7, 10, 14 days, um, that's great if you can, but let the seller know that that's assuming everything is smooth sailing and there's no mm-hmm. hiccups in the process. Very good. That's right. And you can always close sooner than the date. The date doesn't mean you have to close on that sure. date. You can close yeah. sooner than that date. So I like to do 30 days and if you close sooner, God bless America. Okay. <laughs> Uh, by the way, if, if you need to extend the contract, well, what do you do? Oh, my God, I need to extend the contract. What do I do? It's called an amendment of contract. Guess where, guess where you can find that, guys? <laughs> Trek.com. And it's free. And it's free. <laughs> Hello. All right, moving on from closing day. So uh, next one is possession. Possession is important because that one says whether you're buying it uh, upon, you, do you take ownership, possession at, at closing and funding, or is there a temporary lease? Now, in this wholesale business, you'll notice that a lot of sometimes the sellers, they need time to move out. So you'll close on the deal with the end buyer, right? Uh, the investor who's the, who winds up buying it at the end of the day. And they will give back that seller. He, he, that seller is now a tenant. And so that would be checked off as uh, uh, according to a temporary lease, residential lease, which guess where you can find that for free? Track.com. <laughs> okay. And... And so they, these are important things. So you, do you, do you, which one do you check? 
you need to speak to the seller. Can you be? Can it be vacant by the time you close? You know, that's important. Right. If not, you sign a temporary lease and you take a deposit. You don't just sign a lease and no money down. You, t- you treat them as a as a tenant. I want a deposit, and this is what you pay prorated per day until you until the whatever days you say you're going to stay. Whether it's two weeks, thirty days, or ninety days. And that's also an important section in the event that yeah. um, the seller uh, is not currently residing in the property, and they and they may have tenants that the lease won't end for another week, month, or whatever. And uh, if there's an agreement where mm. the tenants stay for a short period of time, um, you, know, you, have, to, you mm. have to communicate that with everybody involved. Yeah. yeah, tenants. That could be an issue. So work that out with your seller. Number 11 is special provisions. Very important, this clause. This one is states where your buyer pays all closing costs. That's where you put that, mm-hmm. that language. Very important. Okay. Buyer pays all closing costs. Well, what are closing costs? Right, title insurance, um, recording the the deed, right. attorney fees for prepping up the docs. Right, all these things. FedExes. So, what's the average cost of closing costs here in the state of Texas? Well, it, it really, the title insurance goes by the value of the of the sale price of the property. Okay, which is point zero point seven five percent of the sale price. Okay. So whatever the house sells for, times that by a little bit less than one percent. That's your your title insurance okay. alone. Okay. Uh, and at least uh, for us, you know, our operations deal with uh, with homes that you know their their ARVs are typically going to be under two hundred fifty, two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So you know, price points to the investor for purchase typically don't go much higher than a thousand, a hundred thousand. Right. Um, so you know you're you're looking at maybe total closing costs of about two three thousand. Yeah, I would so say so. Generally. Not not a whole lot. Um, no. and, and again, that varies from state to state. So you know, be aware of what what the rules are mm-hmm. for your state. That's right. Like from New York City, we, we have a, a called a sales tax sale sales tax. The state of of New York, when I lived lived there, used to charge a fee to the seller for for selling his house, and then the city would charge a second fee. But we don't yeah, have that in Texas, crazy. thank God. Uh, number 12 is settlement, other expenses. That's blank. That usually goes on a traditional sale where you have a, a buyer that needs help with the closing costs and the seller is given a seller concession. We don't do that here in this wholesale business. All right, moving on to page six because we're short on time. Short, page six is another attorney page. There's nothing to fill out there on page six, just the address on top. Page seven is where you put the buyer's information and the seller's information. The seller may not live at that property that you're selling, so you make sure you get their primary residence because title will mail them documents that are very important. So we need to have their PO box or the seller's primary home or work address, their phone number, email, um, and also uh, on the buyer side, we put our information, Hilco Homes and our address and phone number and contact. Uh, number 22 is agreement of parties. Here is where you check off if it's built before 1978, the lead mm-hmm. paint disclosure, um, and if there's a lease, temporary lease, you, you you check off that. But usually these are all blank. We don't, we don't do uh, many of these things that are not involved, except for the last one, which is other, and that's where we put the, we call it the Exhibit A um, amendment to, to contract or some sort like that. that's what it reads. But that's where we, Exhibit Alpha, excuse me, Hillary would kill me, Exhibit <laughs> Alpha. <laughs> That's where we put our right of assignment the document, which is a one-page document. Okay. And moving along, 
because we have our, our, our cameo speaker waiting on the sidelines, <laughs> Charlie. Right, Charlie, you coming up, right? Yeah. All right. So. <laughs> uh, last uh, page eight, uh, termination option. Uh, that's for option period. We don't do option period. We don't do inspection periods. So there's that's left blank. Yeah, it's a little different from uh, other real estate transactions and wholesale real estate. That's uh, some people do that. Here at Hilco, we don't we don't have option periods. Uh, it just it, it really doesn't make sense to have them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's just that's how we operate. So again, if you ever want to do business with us, um, that's the expectation. Mm, good, good. Uh, buyer's attorney, if this is an estate sale, you may have a lawyer involved with this transaction. So uh, put their information there. Executed of the day. That's where when uh, the final buyer when the seller signs off this. Or the buyer signs on it. You need to execute the data was signed and send it over to title. That this makes it formal. The execution day is actually very important because all the language in this contract goes by what that numbers, what that date starts at. That date on executed the contract clause here starts click the the, the clock starts ticking <laughs> on that date. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, not any other date. That date is very critical. Of course, the buyer and the seller will sign there. Uh, the seller will sign their name, and the buyer, which is Hilco Home, will sign our name here. Um, and then page 10, page 9, excuse me, uh, is information if there was a broker involved. Mm-hmm. Most times we don't have any brokers, but if for whatever reason there is a broker involved, we put their information there and what their commission is going to be, their fee okay. on the bottom. Yeah, don't try to cheap out the brokers. You know, they should get paid. <laughs> and the last page, page 10, is really reserved for the uh, for the title company. That's where they put their earnest money receipt, the contract receipt, the option. Well, there is no option fee receipt. Um, and if there is additional earnest money receipt. I just want to leave off with the with the last uh, page because that's important. You may find time f- find sometimes the seller when they read the contract with us and they said, why are you only leaving $10? You know, you know, you can't even go to the movies for ten dollars. You're leaving ten dollars <laughs> on my on my house. So the way we like to, the way I like to work it is, listen, we're gonna leave ten dollars today, and once we have a clear title, then I can leave an additional earnest money if I have to. Okay. Right? Try not to do that, but I have done that in the past. Okay. And what the way this works, the way the strategy works, guys, is so you know, so it works out in your favor out of pocket. Is you put in the ten dollars and then uh, you start locating a buyer. So once you locate the buyer and you know, the assignee, right. the end buyer user, then you collect your $3,000 deposit, whatever deposit you request, and use their money to leave the additional earnest money for mm. the seller so the seller is happy. Right. Makes sense? Yeah, that works. All right. So uh, we're a little over our 30-minute times uh, slot that we typically have our episodes, but that's fine. Um, it was a good a good episode. We covered a lot of stuff here, very basic general stuff. So for sure, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us and ask. You know, we we, we don't want you getting in trouble. We want to make sure that uh, you are able to get your deals done and done the right way. Um, so yeah, let us know if you have any questions, if you need help with any of that stuff. And um, I also want to uh, give a quick shout out to um, all of our international listeners, uh, I was checking our numbers and it looks like 4% of our entire audience is coming from France, of all places. 
So, yeah, thanks, guys, for, for tuning in. And uh, I hope uh, this brings you a lot of value. And I, I look forward to possibly doing business with each and every single one of you. Um, so, yeah, reach out to us at any time and let us know how we can help. And uh, we're going to have another episode. The next one is actually going to be recorded right after this one. Um, and we're going to have one of our newest team members come in and talk about, uh, you know, the getting started with Hilco process, you know, from their perspective and from a seasoned Hilco team member, Hernando. So I'm going to have him on the show again. All right. Thanks. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hilco Homes podcast. This is Mike and I've got Hernando with me again. Uh, he's turning out to be a, a regular on the show. We should probably have a Mike and Hernando podcast uh, going into real estate things. But all right guys, let's jump right into it. Okay, so for those of you who regularly listen to the Deep Dive Wholesale Podcast with Hilco Homes, you'll know that we get a lot of involvement from the team, and sometimes we have new people, and sometimes we have people who've been here a while, but everybody on the team has an area of expertise that they bring to the table that makes Hilco Homes, you know, such a great company to work with. Um, and that's not just from the uh, working as part of the team, but if you're outside of the company doing business with us, um, you can be comfortable knowing that you have people uh, on the Hillco side who know what they're doing. And today, uh, Hernando is going to talk with me about some topics that are extremely important for anybody who's in the wholesale real estate game, and that is contracts. Why is that important? A... As a wholesaler, that's your business. So remember, and this is especially for anybody who is new to the wholesale real estate game. As a wholesaler, you are not selling property or real estate. You are selling the equitable interest of a contract that just so happens to be for the purchase of real estate. There's a very big distinction there. So uh, just keep that in mind. And, re and remember that when you are marketing and advertising the sale of these contracts, because that could get you in a lot of trouble. Uh, and that, of course, varies from state to state. Um, but here we are in the state of Texas, so we are using the state of Texas uh, standardized documentation. So, Hernando, you want to jump in and start talking to us a little bit about what to expect? Like, how, how do we get these contracts if we want to use them? Well, thank you again, for, uh, Mike, for having me here at the uh, podcast. It's always a great pleasure to uh, get on here and, and, and talk real estate, wholesale real estate with you. Uh, so the topic today is contracts. This is, as Mike said, your main document you're going to be using if you're a wholesaler or any real estate investor for that matter. And in Texas, we have what we called uh, TREC, which is acronym for Texas Real Estate Commission. Uh, understand you can go on Google today uh, 
type in those four little words, T-R-E-C, and you will get a website that's that's governed by the state where okay. you can pull up these documents for free. Perfect. Perfect. Right. Now, um, the I'm assuming because it's a state website, it's perfectly natural and okay to assume that these documents are updated regularly. Of course. So you can just go there and not have to worry about version history or... Um, you know, that you're using an outdated contract form, right? That's right. They are updated. And, Perfect. And, not, and it, it, once you go onto the website, you'll realize that it's not just the contract or sale, which, one, which in this case would be the, it's technically called one to four family residential contract resale, okay? But there are about another two dozen of the other documents that are uploaded up there that you could use for any other uh, okay, reasons when you're dealing with a real estate transaction. So there are many forms there. Okay. And so um, if this one in particular, this is the, the resale contract. Is there a separate contract for one to four um, mm. that is like a new build sale, I'm assuming? Bingo. Okay. Perfect. Don't want to use that one. <laughs> okay. And, and so for, for the, the listeners, uh, if you're doing business in the state of Texas, now, I have not done any real estate transactions outside of the state of Texas, so I have not used any contracts mm-hmm. um, of any kind uh, in, for real estate related purposes outside of the state. So I don't know how different or how similar other contracts are. So uh, just for you uh, in our audience who are listening, we're basically just talking about the Texas uh, state uh, standardized documents uh, for real estate transactions. but. This one in particular, the one to four, what does that mean, Hernando? One to four family residential contract means basically what it says. Uh, you have, When you have a, a property that has one unit up to four units, okay. that's considered so units. residential. Okay. Anything after that is commercial. Commercial. So one unit, a duplex, triplex, right. fourplex, all of that's considered uh, uh, residential right. that this contract will cover. Right. Anything above, so five units or more. What right. what contract is that? That would be considered commercial contract. Okay, commercial. And mind you, i.e., this you cannot use this contract for condos or land. Okay. Okay, that's a different form. Good to know. That might be another conversation for another episode. Right. Um, but for today's episode, we're focusing on the one to four contract. Right. Okay, so let's get into it. What do you got for me? Okay, well, first page one. And anyone who's listening to this can jump online and pull it up and, and go go through this contract with me if you're in Texas, which is a huge state, right? Anyone outside of Texas, I'm sure you can pull up your own contract that the state offers for free to its to its uh, residents. Uh, so clause number one is parties. This is a very important, the beginning, the first one, parties. There is a buyer and there is a seller. Of course, you want to get the name of the seller. And make sure you get the complete name of the seller, including any uh, middle initials. Why is that important? Because if you have a seller named John Smith, there are about two, ten thousand John Smiths in the state. Yeah. yeah. And if you have, if he has a middle initial, or if you have his real, his middle name, that will weed out uh, the proper person we're looking for. Because I'm gonna get a little bit ahead of myself, but when title runs a title search, they also do in title search names. Mm-hmm. And if this John Smith owes child support. Oh, you want to make sure it's the right John Smith. Right, right. So um, I know this is probably jumping further ahead and maybe a little bit more higher level than what we're at mm-hmm. right now. But uh, for the parties involved, uh, whether it's a seller, whether it's a buyer, 
Um, right. How do you deal with that if it's an LLC? Is it are you putting down the LLC name, mm-hmm. the person who is representing the LLC? Mm-hmm. Um, how does that work? Because I know with the trust, right. you have to put the trust name and yeah. the trustee or the person who's representing on okay. behalf of the trustee. Well, that's a good question. So with the LLC, you would put the uh, the company's LLC name on as the buyer or the seller. Okay. The person signing in behalf of the LLC is either a manager or a member. And okay. the title is going to request those documents sure. on your, you know, setup on that LLC. Perfect. So awesome. Proof. Okay. So what's next? So next is, that was the seller, right? You want to make sure you get the right name. If it's, if it's an estate, it could be the estate of John Smith. Mm-hmm. If it's a, a husband and wife, it's John Smith and Jane Smith. Um, if it's an LLC, like we just said. But usually it's just the person's name, right? Okay. Buyer. A buyer is very important now because as a wholesaler, you're the buyer. Mm-hmm. Well, you're the assigner buyer, technically, because you're going to be assigning this contract. Okay. So you're the assigner, not the assignee, technically, right? Okay. You're going to put, whether you have an LLC set up, as a, like we do, it's Hilco Homes LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you're a newbie and you don't have an LLC, that's fine. You could put your name. Um, and... I would suggest if you don't have an an exi- exhibit A which states that you're going to be that you have the right to sell these equitable interest contract. If mm-hmm. you don't have that, we do because we're an established wholesale investment firm. But if you're new to the business and you don't have an exhibit A, which would be ha- which by the way we would be happy to share with you. Yeah, definitely uh, reach out to us. Reach out uh, to us uh, you guys know uh, if you're following us, like pretty much every episode, we tell you to. Reach out to us, contact mm-hmm. us. You can reach us uh, directly on our Instagram page, on our Facebook page. Send mm-hmm. us a direct message. Right. Um, you can also email me, Mike, M I K E, at hillcohomes.com. Mm-hmm. And Hernando's here. He's, uh, again, one of our top guys. You can contact him at hernando at hillcohomes.com. Correct. So thank you, Mike. And so, yeah, if you don't have that as, uh, that exhibit A, which, which is a, a, a an amendment to the contract. You can put your name on as the buyer and say it's uh, Michael James, and then you put these following words and or assigns. Okay, those are the magic three words. Right. That that's the that's the thing that keeps you in business. Right. Um, and that's also the thing that helps you get out of a contract if you can't sell it. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So I also want to uh, touch on a point that you brought up of if you're a newbie. And you don't have an LLC created yet. Um, mm-hmm. That that's fine. Um, but one thing you can do to sort of limit a little bit of your liability. Um, it's still technically all on you if something goes bad. But you could actually uh, uh, file at the county level a DBA, so doing business as, and you can use your personal self, your you as an individual, doing business as, and Technically, it's considered a sole proprietorship that is an unincorporated sole proprietorship. So you don't have to file any documents with the state of Texas. Um, and at the end of the year, you still do have to report self, um, you know, any kind of self-employment income, uh, anything like that. And it's considered automatically as sole proprietorship income. But because you don't have the entity, the liability is still on you. Um, but for the purpose of the contract... If you yourself, like Mike, if I wanted to do Mike Buys Houses, uh, I could operate as that DBA without a existing business entity. 
Um, but of course, if someone were to come back and sue me or they sue Mike buys houses, uh, Mike buys houses is just a DBA name that I am operating mm. as in my personal name. So personally, I would still be liable. Um, but of course, if you're in a different state um, and maybe you have a different situation than, than I do or Hernando does, right. it is always advisable to speak with an attorney right. and with a CPA to figure out what what's mm-hmm. going to work for you. So we're not attorneys. Sure. We're not giving you legal advice. Uh, we're not no. giving you financial advice. This is just stuff that we've picked up along the way that we uh, have seen right. other people we're not use. not attorneys, but my, my AK name is the governor, so you can call me governor. <laughs> Fernando, the governor. Okay, right. let's move on to property, which is the second line. Uh, property, you put the lot number and the block number and the legal description of the property. Well, where do you find the lot and block number? BCAD, which is Bear County tax record, or whichever county you're in. Right. Pull up the pull up, pull up the tax record, and you'll find this legal description there and the lot and block number, along with the address. Okay? Let's just move along because it's a yeah. five-page contract. Yeah. Uh, third thing... Um, is sale price you as a wholesaler <clears throat> i'm assuming you're always offering all cash offers so it would just be the sale price uh, there would be no loan assumption there is no financing involved um <clears throat> so that would all be blank so just sale price on a and and line a and line c yeah and this is okay <clears throat> we're kind of just generalizing how to use the contract mm-hmm. in, in the context of a wholesale uh, real estate operation now, that doesn't mean that you won't use that section because there are certain instances where that uh, definitely comes into play, especially with things like a subject to property. Um, of course, that's a little bit different and mm. that's a topic for another episode. Sure. Um, but, you know, we're just speaking in general terms. Yeah, yeah this is general all cash deal. Quick, quick in and out. Uh, number four is license holder disclosure. If you're an active real estate license agent in whatever state you are you need to disclose that to the seller uh, on this so here in texas we have to disclose that so we do that here with hillary romero she's licensed she's active so we put down that hillary romero is a licensed real estate agent and she is also the owner of hilco homes which is the purchaser and this is where a lot of the gray area comes in for wholesalers this is why um and we've talked about this before on past episodes that wholesalers sometimes get you know a bad name because of people who either just are not knowledgeable or they, you know, abuse the system in in these operations. So, and actually, I had a Facebook, uh, uh, I guess, a discussion. It wasn't oh, quite yeah. an argument, oh, yeah. but it was a discussion. You know, uh, I was trying to make contact with a guy out of Chicago who um, has a couple of contracts that he wants to push, and I. Uh, approached him as possibly doing a uh, co-wholesale agreement Mm. Uh, someone else jumped into that thread and was like uh, you know co-wholesaling is is like illegal I'm like well it's Mm. you know illegal in like I know it's the state of Ohio you just can't do wholesaling period in the entire state so Mm. you know co-wholesaling is included in that and then he uh, came back and said, "No, it's you know, you're you, you can't uh, buy or sell real estate um, if you're not a licensed agent." Mm. And so I explained to him, "Yes, that's absolutely true. That is correct. Right. If you are not a licensed yeah. agent or broker, you cannot buy, sell, or represent either party in a transaction of real estate. Right. But wholesaling has nothing to do with real estate. Right. You are selling 
a contract. Right. It just so happens the contract is for the purchase of real right. estate, yeah. and that's that's where things kind of get gray mm. because um, you know some a lot of wholesalers will uh, will say. Um, I have a property for sale or I've mm-hmm. got a contract or I mean a, a, a great deal hmm. and there's some gray area with that description in that some people may misunderstand right. them and believe that they're an agent or representing sure. the uh, yeah. the purchase or sale of a uh, of a of a contract I mean a, of a property instead of a contract. Right. So 